Stephen Marshall. And as the theme music said, we've got some real big stuff going down here at YoMTG Taps. Uh, we'll get to that at the end of the show, uh, but we've got a couple huge announcements. You want to make sure you listen to the very end uh, because that's how we get our, our plays to it actually counts them if you listen to the end. And we, we want we want as many hits as possible. No, uh, that's not true. Um, it's but, too uh, late, sucker. <laughs> that's, that's not true. Um, so, but but yeah, listen to the end. We got some good stuff to announce. Uh, but first, uh, we're gonna get into uh, the business first. Um, last weekend was states. Um, and, uh, Steven finished in the top four. So it was really awesome. Congratulations, Steven. Yeah. Um, I was even more proud of my finish, uh, than Steven was of his, um, I think, (laughs) um, as I've never seen you this excited about a finish. I was so excited. Not when, not when you top eight the PTQ. I have not not even then did I see like you were more psyched than I've ever seen you for a finish at, at a tournament. That's because I deserved to top eight that PTQ. Like I was undefeated. Like I mean, you know, I mean, I deserved to make top eight at that PTQ. Um, I didn't deserve this. You know, I, that's why it was so exciting to win it. It's like it was like when I put the one raffle ticket in at common ground at the pre-release and won the set of foil planeswalkers. You know, it was like, I don't deserve that. I didn't even like do anything to earn it. And I totally got it. So, so, so anyway, um, I finished 64th. (laughs) Um, and that sounds stupid, uh, like to even care, but they paid out through top 64, for prizes uh 33rd through 64th were play mats um and i made 64th now 64th wouldn't be a like anything to be proud of but i had the most insanely horrible my my i have a shorter story than steven so um let's get into that <laughs> <laughs> steven uh. just Post. What do you call these pictures? What is they're that? like ASCII two or something? Yeah, AI or something. Yeah, he just posted a picture of the Dragon Ball Z character that is on my playmat. So, Name's Piccolo. What is his name? Mister Piccolo. Okay, so Mister Piccolo. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, first of all, uh, shout out to Madness Games in uh, Plano um, for hosting states. Uh, it was a really uh, awesome environment to play in. Uh, big space, lots of room. So many uh, pop figures that I was afraid that I would spend all my money. I had to actually, like, back out of the aisle. I'm like, I'm running. They had the Goonies, the Big Lebowski, Children's Hospital. It was, like, the most insane, amazing collection of pop figures I've ever seen. Um, So, uh, anyway, um, for states, um, I played Mono Black Aggro. And uh, our reasoning, uh, my, my reasoning for that was I was bored of Mono Black Devotion, for one. Um, I wanted to play something a little different. I loved the idea. I think it was Owen that posted an article on Channel Fireball about the potential of being able to go one drop, turn one, and then 
turn two, one drop, one drop in standard. And uh, that just seemed really exciting to me. Um, so, you know, I played uh, played mono black aggro. Um, my list was four gnarled Scarhide, four Rakdos Cackler, four Tormented Hero, four Pain Seer, four Spiteful Returned, three Herald of Torment, four mm-hmm. Master of the Feast, uh, two Desecration Demon, uh, two Heroes Downfall, one Ultimate Price, four Thoughtseize. I think that's the whole deck. And then uh, 23 lands, 20 or 19 swamps, and four Mutavolts. Uh, and then a sideboard of 15 sweet cards. Um, and then... Um, So anyway, just real quick, the reasoning for us getting to that deck was the original thing that I was toying with was I was like, man, I kind of want to play Prophetic Flamespeaker because that card's sweet. And then I was like, man, I want to run Prophetic Flamespeaker with with a bunch of other aggro black and red creatures and like bestow creatures like Bogus's Warhound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that thing, the 2-2, equip uh, or bestow for three. Um, And then like... Uh, and madcap skills. So I was kind of on that sort of plan. Um, just messing with that. It turned out that like flame speakers cool. And like when it like gets through, it gets through for a heck of a lot. But uh, with the deck tapping out every turn, I didn't really feel like its ability was super relevant. So it didn't really just feel like it, it was a good fit. And then plus, you know, uh, enchanting it with the madcap skills and having that, removed with like a lightning strike or something was just such a blowout uh that i didn't really like it so um so i moved past that and kind of moved into like just mono black and 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 i like i like the choice i thought it was fun and i and it it was the deck i wanted to play that day i don't regret making the choice one side note um in terms of trying to make prophetic flame speaker work yeah. there's actually a prophetic flame speaker deck in the top eight it was like red, green, all double strike creatures, and it oh. ran uh, four. Um, I've got it actually pulled up on Moto right now. I tried to tried to play it. It was I couldn't get it to work, but it ran four Pyrewild Shamans. Yep. Um, let's see. It, it ran the Mogus's Warhounds and uh, Goreclan Rampager and four Savageborn Hydra. Uh, wow. Four four Boon Seder. It was actually it was pretty interesting. It seems like it's a little bit off, um, but in terms of, I mean, a lot of people have try, been trying to find uh, a flame speaker deck that actually works or that actually uses it to its full potential. This is probably uh, as close as I've seen yet. Yeah, no, that sounds cool. Um, Ryan Germore was trying to mess with a deck like that. Um, we should probably, I'll, I'll ship him that link so he can uh, take a look at that and compare. Um, cause I know he definitely wants to do some sort of red green abusing flame speaker. So, uh, hopefully he can make that happen. It sounds cool though. Uh, it sounds interesting. I like the idea of it. Um, so my day started out great. Uh, I started out three, and oh. round one. I beat like a Jund aggro. It was kind of like a Jund sly almost. So it was like, you know, drag mangler and like Exiva, Rakdos, blood witch and things like that. Um, Xenagos for sure. Um, other other creatures like that. Um, Colonial Hydra. Sp- I think it definitely had Spike Jester. No, it didn't have th- Colonial Hydra. It had Spike Jester. I mm. mean, it was just like it was just haste. It was it was cool. It was a neat deck. Um, but I I think I was just I was just a bit faster than the than the haste deck, which is funny. Um, my deck just went around it. It just went okay and just made a big army and swarmed through because. He had some removal, like he had abrupt decay and things like that, but he didn't really have enough to 
to stop me. Um, and then round two, I played against Esper Control, and I beat them. Round three, I played against Burn, and I beat them. Yeah, round four, I played against uh, uh, ba- Basel Said. Forgive me if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. Um, and that was my uh, my first uh, loss of the day. He was playing Naya Hexproof, uh, which you actually said, in retrospect, may have been the correct call um, to play for the day. Because I was... Um, I was considering an 11th hour audible to Naya Hexproof because I looked at that deck and went, man, I don't know how anyone beats this deck. Maybe I should play that. Um, and, uh, but it just, it just, it's just kind of combo-y a little all in. And um, for someone who'd never played the deck, I kind of wasn't really feeling like that where I was, where I'd already tested versions of the Black X aggro, but I hadn't actually p- tested the exact 75 I played on Saturday. Uh, then yeah, it, I feel bad. I actually talked you out of playing that deck. <laughs> you did. And, but I don't, I don't think that was wrong, though. I mean, even though, you know, it may have been the best deck to play, you know, I, I hadn't touched it, you know? I wouldn't have known which hands were good, which hands were bad. And I just, I think more testing would have been required than just picking up 75 cards that I hadn't played before and playing them. Round five, I played against my new arch nemesis, Fred Kelly. Uh, Fred Kelly <laughs> is the person who beat me out of cash round 11 uh, at the SCG Open in Dallas uh, playing uh, Jun Monsters. And he was once again playing Jun Monsters uh, uh, this tournament and... He, you know, he saw me play a turn one swap. He's like, oh, and I played a Thoughtseize turn one. He's like, oh, here we go. You know, and then I played a totally <laughs> different deck. So that was fun to do that. Uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't outlast him. Uh, and then round six, I played against Blue White Control. Um, and I got, <laughs> uh, I got game two. Game two was one of the most awesome games I've ever played. I, I beat double Nyx Fleece Ram. Wow. <laughs> double Nyx Fleece Ram on the play. Yeah, I was on the play, but still I beat double Nyx Fleece Ram. Um, it was one of the most awesome because I was like one drop, and then I went one drop, one drop. Thought sees away your your thing. One drop, one. I just kept playing one drops. It was like the most hilarious <laughs> game. I'm like swing for twelve, and then I actually got to like do the miser's judge call where I go pithing need. I go activate my muta vault, cast pithing needle, and then I wait. <laughs> I wait, and then he goes naming. And I go, Muta Vault. And he get, goes to tap his man. And I just, Judge? <laughs> huh. I was like, uh, I gave him opportunity to respond. He let me name my card and then tried to activate his Muta Vault. He's like, nope, you can't. <laughs> I was like, there you go. Nice. Yeah, that was awesome. I, I, I don't always do those. But I was like, man, this is definitely one I can get him on. So I totally did that. Uh, but then game three, I keep. This is the hand I keep, okay? This is on a mulligan to six, too. So Swamp, Duress, Duress, Gnarled Scarhide. Pain Seer 3-drop? I don't remember what it was. I think that's keepable. Like, I think, I mean, like, Duress Duress is pretty good against Control. Um, with the 1-drop, all I needed was one more land to be active. And um, I drew that second land. Nice. After Jace's ultimate. Oh. So, like, that's how long. I mean, it was, like, <laughs> it was so many turns. I was, like, oh, my goodness. Oh, there's the land. You know, but you already have one of my Herald of Torment in play, and I'm not coming back from this. So, that happened. Uh, not fun. But, uh, oh, yeah, in round four, 
um, my biggest mistake was I kept in Master of the Feast versus him because I figured I had to race him. Uh, yeah. So the Naya Hexproof, I was like, I got to race him, and this is five every turn. But I'm also, like, siding in duresses, and I'm like, man, I'm just, like, canceling my own spells out with this. Um, not a good plan. Uh, kind of rule of thumb, if you're going to play Master of Feast, Master of the Feasts, don't side him. Don't like side him out if you're going to side in discard spells. Like, please. What are you thinking, Joe? So then, okay. So round. So at this point, round after six rounds, I'm three and three. Like I'm well out of contention, and I know this. But Steven at this point is six zero. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> well, I might as well play the last two rounds because what difference is it going to make? So round seven. Um, I play against no one. My opponent doesn't show up. That's how bad I'm doing. I have no opponent. Um, so I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm actually like, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to rules lawyer the game next to me. And I'm just like making jokes and having a good time. And right before we get to 10 minutes, I tried to pull out my smartphone and get a game loss. How, how good my day was going. I'm like, maybe I can lose somehow without an opponent. And I'm like reaching for my phone, but it hit 10 before I could get it out. I was like, Oh, so, so I got the win there. And then round eight, I played against um, uh, black the black-green devotion that's going around. Um, and it wasn't close. He stomped me pretty good. Uh, so four and four on the day. So I have three wins to start the day. And then I literally couldn't buy a win if they were actually allowed to sell me wins. Be like, uh, I'd like to purchase a win, please. I'm going to refresh out of wins. I'm so sorry. You know, we just sold the last win to that guy over there. So I couldn't buy a win to save my life. Um, you know, only one in the last five rounds because my opponent just had mercy and didn't show up. Um, and you know, I know about the prize structure being top 64. I'm like, there is no way I make it. And I look at the list and I'm like, 64. Like I was like <laughs> screaming. I was like jumping up and down, like so excited. The guy who was in 65th was like, I was like, oh, you got 64th. I hate you. And I was like, <laughs> I, like laughed in 65th place's face. Um, so it was really great. So I had like purposefully got to like the end of the line for the play mats. So I could take one of the worst play. Like, so I could have one of the like utter leftover play mats. So, um, the did play you mention that? Yeah. Everyone in the top 64 got like a, yeah, I did 33rd, okay, 64th. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I got a play mat of what was the character's name? Uh, Mr. Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. I got a, Playmat of Mr. Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z folding his hands or folding his arms and looking disappointed. And I was like, <laughs> this is like so indicative of my day. I mean, I had a really, really great time. You know, I mean, I Josh McCurley, who was the head judge at the event, did an amazing job. Um, he uh, he said that he's never seen someone with a better attitude than me, like no matter what the situation is, um, I've always got a really good attitude, um, when it comes to like the, the game. I, that's the thing, like, just like Jameson said, um, last on the last episode, um, you know, you should never lose sight of the fact that it's a game, you know? Yeah. We compete. Yeah. You know, we want to win. Of course we want to win. Um, but never lose sight of the fact that it's actually a game and you and you should be having fun while you play. Um, I feel like the more fun I'm having while I play, the better I do also. That's the other thing. 
Um, so anyway, you know, overall it was a great experience, but not as great as the experience Steven had. Steven, uh, tell us a little bit about your day. Yeah, sure. So we didn't really, uh, have time to test. Um, well, I guess first I was, I was out of town for like a few weeks before the tournament. So I hadn't really played much like journey to Nick standard. And the one day we set aside for testing, I spent <laughs> an hour and a half trying to make Riddle of Lightning work. Uh, it's just... <laughs> Best conversation is, man, why can't I? Why I got? I can't decide on sixty cards. And then uh, was it Alec? Yeah. So I was I was I was yeah. torn because I wanted to do. There's so you could do a combo with steam augury spite of mogus and boros reckoner and just dig into your deck put a bunch of instants and sorceries in there and then hit them for 10 and then you know if you have dictate the twin gods out then you know you do some absurd amount of damage and then there's also the combo of riddle of lightning and blast of genius plus any you know super high mana cost card like catch release so i was trying to fit all those different quasi combos into a single deck and I, I just couldn't do it within 60. So <laughs> uh, that's when Alec basically was like, well, why don't, you, why don't you just play more than 60 cards? And I guess it was a little late. And I thought that was a genius idea at the time. <laughs> <laughs> You're like so excited. I've never... I was very enthusiastic like, about it. <laughs> that's like the best idea. You can run more than 60 cards in a deck. Ugh. So, yeah, I'm really glad that we got from <laughs> that point to the deck choice that you actually made uh, for uh, for states. Yeah, so by that time it was like midnight. I had to work the next day, so um, I just had to default to a deck I knew, which was basically Burn. <laughs> so I, I basically played the Burn deck from uh, SCG Knoxville. I think that's what it was. It was some city in Tennessee. Um, yeah, it was pretty much the deck from SCC, SCG Knoxville, mm. and the only real changes I made to the main deck were just taking out the two wild guesses and putting in a young pyromancer and a Chandra pyromaster. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was fine with those. I, I didn't feel like at any point I would have wanted a wild guess. Uh, I, I barely, I didn't draw either of them that often, so it didn't really make a big difference. Um, and then uh, I guess we could just post the deck list in the show notes. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, on, it's on the, it's on the website. Um, oh, and star city games. Yeah. Oddly enough, mine isn't. Yeah, I, I looked. I couldn't. Uh, I I didn't see any of the decks with Master of Feast main deck. Uh, for some reason, that just didn't show up. Yeah. So the uh, the sideboard was uh, four Fire Drinker Satyrs, three Fire Dancer Satyrs, or Satyr Fire Dancers. Sorry, uh, two Change of the Rocks, um, one Searing Blood, and then uh, one Dictated the Twin Gods, one Wild Ricochet. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, and one blind obedience. So I had the I had the blind obedience and the wild ricochet, which is the two red red instant card that changes the target of target. Um, is it instant or sorcery? I think so. Yeah. I can't even remember. I think it I, is. It's change the target of target instant or sorcery and then copy it. Yeah. So it, it was basically for the mirror match where you get to uh, you're you're always holding open mana and you know you don't want to be. So basically the, the burn mirror match is just who can actually resolve a war leader's helix without getting it skull cracked. Mm -hmm. And this is just another way to play that game when you don't have a skull crack in your hand. So this is like skull crack number five, basically, uh, except much better. If you basically you, you, you counter those, their spell and get an extra burn spell in, then you, you probably just win the game. 
So I, I thought since that deck had won the SCG Open the week before that there'd be a lot of burn, and and there was, but I never ended up playing against it. Uh, Blind Obedience is there. Uh, also, just it's it's really great where you can get some incremental life gain because it's just great against the burn deck uh, out of the sideboard of control, and it also just kind of nullifies uh, Chandra's Phoenix. It just makes it like almost two turns slower, or no, it makes it one full turn slower. I, I was also running that instead of the active treason that was in the sideboard of the um, the deck that won the SCG Open, which I still don't understand why that wasn't uh, harnessed by force. Harnessed by force, yeah. Uh, I, I don't understand why you would run uh, active treason over harnessed by force when it's almost strictly better, especially yeah. in a deck that runs like searing blood. So you clearly have double red available. I, that yeah, I just didn't I didn't get that. But uh, blind obedience does the same thing versus just red green monsters where. Uh, you just slow them down by a turn. That's usually all you really need. Um, yeah, because it actually even hits uh, Stormbreath Dragon, right? Yeah, I mean, it makes it come in tapped. Right, that's what I'm saying. So Yeah. Uh, I also played one Ware slash Terror and one Glare of Heresy, which was actually pretty good. I yeah. was just afraid of uh, the Fiendslayer Paladins, since there's like the only way to deal with that is Change of the Rock, so I just wanted like, one additional answer. Um, that was just because I walked the room and saw a surprising number of white-based decks in the room. Um, so anyway, uh, to the tournament, um, I, round one, I played against green-white aggro, which is probably the worst uh, possible matchup. Lost game one, they just curved out, and uh, there wasn't really anything I could do do about it. Game two, uh, it was... So the thing about playing a deck that won the SEG Open the week before was that there was no one that wasn't like blindsided by this deck. Right. Uh, every, everyone pretty much had a plan for it, so... Yeah, every game was there. I, I there was almost no games that were just complete blowouts for me, except for you know if they kept like a one lander and just never drew another another land. That was the only real uh, cakewalk mm-hmm. of a game. Uh, every single round I played, other than the two draws, went to three games, including the the top eights huh. <laughs> and top four match. So every single one went uh, three games. Yeah, so I just played green white. Played against green white aggro and. Basically, uh, game two uh, came down to a point where I had to magma jet one of their guys, and I had to jet into a four, uh, like a four damage spell, so either War Leader's Helix or Boros Charm or lose. And I just so you know, there's a Boros Charm two cards down, so uh, I was able to get the game there. I can't remember what game. I think game three they just uh, they just had a really clunky draw. Uh, they kept in they kept in their Planeswalkers. So if you're playing against Burn. And you're a mid-range deck, either red-green monsters or some of these white-green decks that have planeswalkers in them. I would I would suggest you probably take those out. The best strategy against burn is just to um, take advantage of the fact that you have really big creatures that burn can't t- get off the table without change of the rocks. So just I, I would just like suggest take out as many of the of the planeswalkers as you can. Overload on creatures. Try to overload the burn players. Change of the rocks. Yeah, what did you call your deck? <laughs> so that was the tiebreaker. I couldn't I couldn't decide whether I wanted to have uh, three Searing Blood main or and and one in the sideboard or two Searing Blood main, two in the sideboard with three Chain to the Rocks main. And so the the tiebreaker was I want I, I put two chains in the <laughs> in the in the sideboard and two chains in the main. Two chains. <laughs> yeah. So I basically just got to write down my deck list as uh, all caps, two chains, uh, parentheses, main board. <laughs> <laughs> so I got Love to make it. really corny rap joke. So that was fun. 
There's uh, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. Basically, like Change of the Rock is the only answer, the only I guess mana efficient answer that Burn has versus stuff like Desecration, Desecration. Demon or Pelucranos or uh, I mean, for the most part, even like a Loxidence Smiter. I mean, there's just yeah. Big, I mean, big creatures are your way to win the game. You can outrace Burn if you just curve out. And uh, if you spend your third or fourth or fifth turn just playing a Planeswalker that has like an, you know, it starts to create incremental advantage that snowballs over time, then uh, that's that's just too slow. And it takes away the, the advantage you have uh, versus Burn. So uh, if you're sideboard, sideboarding versus Burn, for the most part, I'd take out the Planeswalkers. A Johnny Call of the Pride's arguable because, I mean, you can, you can make the argument that it can like jump something and give it double strike, but that's just, I, I don't know. That's, 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 that's a tough call. Uh, anyway, so one round one, uh, played against black, white devotion round two. And I don't really remember that one. I just won the games that they didn't cast obs of that. Cause that card's impossible to beat <laughs> from yeah. the burn side. Uh, round three, I played a, just a bug mid range deck. It, it had like Thoughtseize and a lot of the other cards that, uh, mono black devotion normally has, but they also had, Corso of Crewfix and uh, Sylvan Caryatid. And they even had Primeval Bounty, which was pretty good against me since they had a Corso of Crewfix out in game two and were just gaining four life a land. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty hard to beat. Uh, like, like I said, there wasn't, there wasn't any deck I played against that didn't have some sort of plan versus burn, like some sort of like life gain card from the sideboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but managed to win game three, um, since I happened to win the die roll there, uh, round four, I played against a junk reanimator deck. And again, I just pretty much won the games where they didn't resolve an obs of that. Um, I tried to, <laughs> yeah. so I was hoping I, I still haven't done this in a tournament yet. I haven't fused uh wear and tear <laughs> for yeah. value, but I, I noticed they were playing whip and courser and I was just hoping I'd get, I'd get to live that dream. But, uh, unfortunately I won before that became relevant. So, you know. There is that. Uh, round five, I, I got Vengeance for you, and I beat the Hexproof deck somehow. Uh, that's a really tough matchup. Probably 30% for the burn deck, I would say. I, I just managed to <laughs> out <laughs> uninteractive combo them, I guess. They basically, like game one, uh, if they just stopped for one turn to start blocking uh, my creatures, like the Eidolon of uh, the Great Revel, uh, they, they win that game easily. Um, they just didn't, because I only had like five mana, uh, I, or it was going into turn five, so uh, I had to do like nine damage to him, and that's basically Boros Charm, Shock, and Lightning Strike. So mm-hmm. um, they didn't play around that. And then uh, game two, I just got destroyed by life gain enchantments. They had uh, Gift of Orzova and Unflinching Courage. Then game three, I actually kind of made I sided in. So usually the I had the fire the fire drinker satyrs are usually there for mono black devotion or any of the the blue-white control decks to just kind of get under their uh, removal and kind of out-tempo them since all their uh, answers to that usually cost two or more. And by that point, he's either done two to four damage, which is a pretty good deal. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I noticed he was not uh, switching roles. Like, he he never tried to play the control. So in that case, um, since he was never blocking, I cited in my Fire Drinker Satyrs there. And just tried to outrace him, and uh, that that actually it worked out perfectly. Game three, since I got to curve from uh, Fire Drinker Seder into Eidolon, into uh, Phoenix, into just you know five points of burn because 
every spell in that deck costs three mana or less. Um, I'd have to say, like, overall, uh, Eidolon of the Great Rebel probably did more damage than any other spell in the entire deck. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I was not a fan of the burn decks that were running uh, Ash Sealed. I just wasn't a fan of Ash Sealed. I just mm-hmm. felt like it... Uh, there's too many decks that are playing Sylvan Serrated. Um yeah, and, that, that card was a big roadblock when it came down for my deck, too. Yeah, and that just felt like a really bad top deck, but um, Eidolon, uh, it, it basically, like, for them to deal with it, it's going to do as much damage, if not more, than Ash Zealot. And, and God help them if they have to play a Shockland to deal with it. So, uh, like, in that bug, the bug midrange match, I, I had, like, a turn two to Eidolon, and he had to uh, play a Overgrown Tomb, untapped, and then abrupt decay it uh, and just deal himself four damage. Hmm. And it, yeah, it's just great. Um, you, you're usually not losing games when that happens. Yeah. So I, I think it's probably the best card in the entire deck. Hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan and uh, yeah, can't recommend playing that in your burn decks enough. I, I even ran it in modern and it was fantastic as well. Yeah. If I do play in the modern PTQs next month, I'll probably be playing some version of burn and I will be running the Eidolons. Yeah. I thought they were great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I beat the, I beat the Hexproof deck somehow, um, and <laughs> a couple of, like, more than one person that was in contention for top eight actually came up and thanked me that was surrounding, uh, the match just because, um, there actually wasn't any, there weren't any control decks in contention in this tournament, and if you're not a control deck, then that's probably, <laughs> that's probably the, uh, the, the one deck you really don't want to see, um, so that was uh, round five. Uh, round six. He's <laughs> got, got two chains fan here. <laughs> round six, I played, uh, I don't know if he goes by Josh or Joshua, but uh, Joshua Watts, he was playing a deck Star City Games calls Naya Aggro, which it is not. It's just a straight up Naya mid-range deck. Yeah, it's like almost like a, it's almost like a Naya control deck. Yeah, it's kind of like the Naya Control deck that Brad Nelson was playing, but with just a lot more creatures that are good against burn, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just got incredibly lucky. This deck is, if not for its bad mana base, because it has uh, a good amount of uh, shock lands and comes to play tap lands, it's probably about as bad of a matchup as you could imagine. Um, it runs three Tristani's main. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two Archangels main, uh, two Scavenging Oozes main. It's it's pre-sideboarded for, for burn, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I won the die roll, which was uh, super important there. And he had to mold down to a one lander and then never drew a second land. So that was just incredibly fortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, game two, I just got run over by Archangel. And then game three, I wish I took better notes because I still am not quite sure how I won it. Um he managed to resolve two Tristanis. Um, I, I, you know, I chained one of them. And uh, he had like a Scavenging Ooze, multiple uh, Populate Triggers from uh, Selesnya Charm. And, uh, but, you know, f- thankfully I had, I had my two chains. I had the second chain for the second Tristani. And uh, I think it was like a Timely Skullcrack or something like that. I cannot remember. I think I also had Fire Dancer out there, which is like the only card that makes um, any kind of, mid-range creature matchup remotely winnable uh so you know the, the, the them chains that was like cha- change of the rocks and uh satyr fire dancer are probably the only 
cards that really help you win these uh, creature matchups. So uh, one round six, and so since it was an eight-round tournament and there's only other one, one other undefeated person, I, I drew next round, then drew into top eight. So that was pretty sweet. Uh, top eight, round one. Uh, round, uh, I was actually paired up. So there was actually two black decks, a black-white deck and a black-green deck in the top eight, um, which are generally... I mean, that's the reason you play Burn, is that it's good at beating mono-black. Um, so I was really fortunate to get paired up against one of those decks. But I lost game one, even when I was on the play, which is really bad. Um, you you just need to win round, uh, game one versus the, the mono-black deck. Uh, but he had the whip plus uh, demon combo, and I didn't have a chain. So uh, you just there's no way to win that, that race. Game two... Um, was a really interesting game. Uh, it was I was basically it was basically in a position where I could not win it. He had a Blood Baron out, and I had like a Phoenix that was tapped from attacking, and an untapped Mutavault, and two other untapped lands, and one Lightning Strike in hand, and he had one card in hand. So he goes to swing in with a Blood Baron, and so I, I assume this isn't going to work, but I just activate the Mutavault to declare it as a blocker, and then you know tap the Mutavault and the remaining untapped Red Land to cast a lightning strike on the blood baron and then just let damage resolve. And, uh, sure enough, it actually, it actually worked. I was actually able to kill that thing. Um, and then his last card in hand was a sin collector, which he played in his second main into my empty hand, which, uh, that felt pretty bad. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, and you know, I still wasn't close to winning at that point. Um, he eventually got a whip down and I just happened to keep drawing, um, skull cracks and eventually just set the game up such that I had to top deck Boros charm and only Boros charm to win. Uh, because that would be able, I would be able to Boros charm him, get back a Phoenix that I've been sacking to his demon, um, and swing with that and, uh, Mutavault to, <laughs> to deal exactly lethal, which, uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I luckily managed to, uh, to draw. So I had no business winning that game. That's an absolute robbery, but, um, you know, I played toward I played towards you know my only outs, which were that's right uh, a misplay by him and <laughs> a uh, I think at that point three outer um, on my part. Mm-hmm. Then game three, um, what did I do? Yeah, so I had a I had a seven card hand, which was basically five lands plus uh, Chandra's Phoenix and a chain, with two of them being scry lands. Um, but I I actually decided to mull that, which. Um, I think someone watching didn't didn't agree with it, but I was trying to think of like you know the best case scenario. Um, I was reading an article about someone; they had a pretty good saying, and I wish I knew who said it. Um, I think it was a Mike Flores article uh, from like TCG Player, like mm-hmm. either last week or the week before, and it was one of his like guest writers. He has people like come in and talk about what what play they would make, and I think their quote was basically, "If the best case scenario is still pretty bad, you you know you, you probably shouldn't." You, should, you probably should go down that road. So, I mean, the best case scenario is that I scry into all action. And even then for the burn deck, that's still a pretty bad mix of lands and spells. Yeah. So I just had, I had to mold that. Um, even though the, the burn deck is probably the deck that molds the worst of any deck. Cause you're, you're just trying to, you know, count to their life total with cards and right. start taking those away. That's pretty bad, but uh, mold that and happen to just have the two land, um, multi Eidolon of the Great Rebel, Fire Drinker, um, <laughs> a car hand and just kind of just ran him over. So went to uh, top four and I was playing against 
uh, Mono Blue, which um, is a matchup I hadn't actually tested. For some reason, I had in my head that it was an okay matchup, but it is it is not. Uh, they just have they have main deck ways to shut down your Chandra, and generally, I mean, just generally creature aggro matchups are not good, and also. Master of Waves is almost unbeatable. Like you, you just have four outs in your deck, and it's Change of the Rocks, and that's it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I I always forget that he's pro red. Yeah, I I I did too until he uh, he cast him. I was like, hmm, I don't know how I'm dealing with this. Um, that's my I, arch nemesis, by the way. My my other than Fred Kelly, my other nemesis is Alec May. <laughs> um, Alec May uh, beat me in a PTQ, and then the following week beat me in the SCG Open. Um, so it was pretty good. Um, yeah, Alec may, I hope I got to play in a tournament. I got to get revenge on both of these fools. Um, I like yeah, those sadly. guys. They're both, they're both cool guys, but, um, but they're my arch nemesis now. So anyway. Yeah. So, uh, sadly I, I couldn't get the win there. Um, I, I actually somehow managed to, I managed to win game two, but it was actually, it turned out, you know, looking back, it was a misplay on his part that's the only way i possibly could have won the game and then yeah game three um uh i mold i, I was thinking of trying to mold down to uh a hand with satyr fire dancer like that's basically the only card that makes the i mean it, it almost completely turns around the matchup like if you have one of those in play then it flips from a, an unfavorable matchup to a, a very favorable matchup mm-hmm. uh but just you know i mold once and you don't really want to mold that many times and i had an, a reasonable hand uh, but just kind of got uh, run over from there, and uh, he he managed to keep a, a low land card, low land hand that just kind of drew into the lands to to cast all spells and uh, uh, lost there. Um, so, but I was still pretty happy. I was obviously not not just pretty happy. I was I was very happy with the with the finish there. the The prize support was pretty sweet. So top yeah. four. Uh, so in the top four, uh, the vote was to split. So. Um, it was like something like was it 200 bones uh, per like person? Yeah. yeah, and uh, uh, two boxes per person. Uh, so that was pretty good. Pretty awesome, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty good payout. So I guess if I had to change the deck, I would definitely put the fourth uh, Seder Fire Dancer in there. Um, or fi- is it Fire Dancer Seder or Seder Fire Dancer? I Seder Fire know. Dancer. It's Fire okay. Drinker Seder and Seder Fire Dancer. Okay, and, and they're both four ofs in the sideboard, so that's it's just a little, a little confusing. I, I just realized it now. Uh, for the decks that are normally bad matchups, it's like one of your only outs, which is kind of the definition of a sideboard card. If you draw, yeah. you know, change the matchup. So <laughs> uh, there should probably be four of them in your sideboard. Uh, so I should have done that. Um, I don't know if I'd t- make too many other changes, just because the cards that were disappointing, like uh, Dictated the Twin Gods. Uh, wild ricochet and blind obedience so there's you know that's pretty bad if you play eight rounds and you have three cards that literally never came in uh, but i just never played against control i never played against um a uh, mirror match i never played right. against another burn deck so uh, i don't want to draw too many conclusions from that no i i would definitely keep the the wild ricochet in the sideboard it's such a beating <laughs> i just want i need to see you cast that versus another burn deck it would be the most amazing thing i just want to copy someone's war leader Silix. i mean that's just all i want yeah i mean how Im- amazing would that be yeah so i guess actually looking back uh, uh burn was a given like what i played against was actually a, just a terrible choice 
<laughs> for the tournament uh, <laughs> on, on paper. Um, since I, in the Swiss, I played against three just horrendous matchups, or what what should be horrendous matchups. Um, Hexproof is pretty bad. Green White's horrible, and then Naya with three Tristani main, one in the sideboard. Yeah, um, <laughs> those are all just really bad matchups. Had I known that going in, I definitely would not have chosen to play burn despite how it, uh, it actually turned out. I actually think, I think X proof is it, basically if no one's playing control and no one was really playing control of that tournament. I mean, there's like, I only saw maybe, I don't know, five or six people playing it at a uh, black green is kind of control. I mean, it's control. Um, a little bit, but those, those people are, are, are cutting down on devour flesh. Like they're basically playing, uh, Heroes Downfall and like Abrupt Decay as their removal. That's right. Yeah, you're right. So if they don't have Devour Flesh, I mean, there's just nothing they can do about that. Um, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, the only real main deck uh, or decks that have main deck answers to that strategy. I mean, even the sideboard, people really aren't side, like like the white decks aren't really playing Celestial Flare or anything like that. Right. So I, I think the best deck going forward, the best deck for that tournament was naya hexproof although i guess the naya mid-range deck i mean it has an answer in elspeth but at that point you've done a ton of damage to them true you know it's funny though is that like you know you played red mm-hmm. basically due to a lack of uh time to test other jank um yeah. and uh and it worked out really well for you and, and i think that like that's even though you said it was a terrible deck to play in that particular tournament mm-hmm like it's a deck you know inside and out. It's a deck that like you know what your outs are every like every turn. Like like all those games that you should have lost but you won, you mm-hmm. won because you knew your deck. You know, yeah, like and, and I, I happen to. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like I would have lost because I don't really know the deck backwards and forwards. I don't know exactly. Okay, what do I need to draw here? What is my outs to this? You know, you know that because you've had enough experience with the deck. You know, I've been actively avoiding the deck, even though it's really good, just because I'm, you know, stubbornly trying not to play red uh, hmm. for for almost an entire standard rotation. And I think I'm going to get there. I'm actually kind of excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the first time in human history that I've done that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that that is true that it um, it probably helped that I didn't get a chance to boot up a series of really bad decks until one of them just happened to go seven and three uh in two man queues online so i i think the lack of text uh or testing was probably an advantage for me since i I just played a deck i knew and yeah there were a lot of games where yeah had i made one more mistake i easily lose i easily lose the match and probably i mean i could have just as easily and also if i hadn't gotten some pretty timely draws i could have just as easily gone three and three in those first six rounds. Yeah, sure. But you didn't, you know, and, that's true. uh, and that's the thing is like fight until the very end is something you got to do. Um, you know, if, if, if a, if a match seems unwinnable, but, but it's not actually unwinnable, mm-hmm. play it out to its conclusion and see what happens. You oh, know? I, yeah. For some reason, I think that's like one of my best, I guess, I don't even know if it's a skill, uh, mindsets in magic is like, I enjoy, seeing how long I can not lose a game that's <laughs> that, I, that I should really lose. So uh, I got some pretty good practice the day before States actually was modern FNM. And I, since I wanted to try out, I just wanted to get used to remembering all my idol on triggers. I just played modern burn 
uh, actually Boros Burn with Boros Charm in it, um, and uh, Eidolon of the Great Revel and all that. And one of my and my last round opponent was actually uh, someone playing like the mono white enchantment prison deck with four main deck leyline of sanctities. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty rough going into just game one opening hand leyline of sanctity. Um, basically meaning I mold to two. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I still, you know, I still played it out, even though it's a pretty rough matchup, uh, actually managed to take it to game three and still got them down to one through a ley line. Um, <laughs> just, I, I, I just like the challenge of it. So, uh, I got plenty of practice playing against, uh, horrendous, uh, horrendous matchups for, for burn decks. <laughs> That's cool. And I'm really happy that you managed to top four. Uh, wanted to see you take it down, but hey, uh, yeah. there's there's always next year. And actually, there's always uh, winter, right? Or fall. Yeah, doing... so there's spring and then, the, yeah, I don't know when the other one and is. Fall. Yeah, and actually uh, for Star City and then TCG Player has a separate state championships um, that's going to happen at the end of the month. And that one is limited. Mm. So interesting, uh, you know. Unfortunately, the title of state champion loses its meaning when there are more than two tournaments to determine the state champion. Now they got to have a state champion championship and then have all the state champions fight each other. Yeah, it's like feed. It's kind of like the college playoff system for for college football. Right. It's yeah. That would be actually that's actually really great that they did that. But anyway, we can get into that another time. <laughs> yeah. Um so so okay, so let's go on to uh to game day. Uh, mm-hmm. Just real quick. What are you playing? Okay. So uh, game day might be my last standard tournament um, until rotation. Um, just because I want to sell off my Muta Vaults before they either rotate or uh, get reprinted in M15, which, uh, you know, you insist isn't going to happen. But <laughs> they also reprinted the Titans once. So like, and they really should not have reprinted the Titans when they did. Um, Standard was all like Magic was just bad because of the Titans, and then they gave them another like year. Um, I don't think that Magic is bad because of Mutavault. I think that it keeps control decks honest. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing to have in the format that isn't just straight up a hoser, you know. Um, so I think it's. I, I'm not going to say that it's very likely. But it's not unlikely that they reprint Mutavault in 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 uh, in M15. Not to mention um, the fact that they kind of want to try to make modern a more like a playable format, like more accessible to players. And keeping something that's kind of evergreen like Mutavault in core sets might not be a bad way to go. Um, either way, I'm selling them before they start spoiling M15 because I don't want to run that risk of uh, of not making my money. Um, well, it's kind of like a win-win there. So either they spoil it and it's going to get reprinted and the supply is going to go up and the price is going to go down. Or they don't spoil it and it's going to rotate and people are going to need it as a four of in every standard deck and the price is going to go down. So uh, I think the moral of the story is unless you're like playing Mutavault to the day it rotates, then uh, you should probably not have them right now. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to get those on eBay probably tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> and uh, and my foil Johnny Mentor of Heroes before that plummets. 
Um, cause it's at 60 right now. I mean, people are buying them on eBay, like 55 shipped and that's, that's great. I'll, hmm. I'll take that. Um, so that's my plan. Uh, I just want to kind of take a break from standard and start acquiring cards for standard after rotation, um, which I've already worked on. I picked up about a half dozen prognostic Sphinx and et cetera, et cetera, uh, last weekend. Um, I just kind of want to start working that whole thing. Um, focusing on limited, like literally playing vintage masters the rest of the summer. Um, it's pretty expensive. <laughs> I can't see why I wouldn't just do that. Like it's, it's going to be like amazing. I think I'm going to get most of my like magic playing in with vintage masters. Um, but uh, I mean, there's lots of good stuff to be had there. Um, and uh, so, so game day is my last hurrah for standard. Really this format, I'll probably play in the M15 game day with some other jank, but here is my jank, and you haven't even heard this list yet. No, I'm, I'm uh, excited. Here is my jank for game day. Um, so it, some of this is going to sound familiar, and some of it's going to sound real familiar to Steven. Um, four Spiteful Returned, four Painseer, one Hero's Downfall, three Ultimate Price, four Festering Newt, four Gnarled <laughs> uh, Scarhide, four Rakdos Cackler, four Hero, uh, Tormented Hero, uh, three bubbling cauldron, four dark prophecy, three <laughs> three immortal servitude, and twenty two swamps. Wow, that's happening. So you just want to take your last standard tournament and just throw it in a bubbling cauldron? Man, it's game day, dude. <laughs> Who cares? Like, you think any of the burn decks are gonna beat bubbling cauldron? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Skullcrack? Uh, no. Uh, how many do you got? I can do this every turn. Um, it's going to be awesome. I That's can't. actually true. I mean, <laughs> I guess if you have that out and a uh, dark prophecy, you could just keep it going. Yeah, you can. That's the idea. That's what I'm doing. And I've got immortal servitude. When they finally whip the board, I go, okay, I get all my one drops back. Oh, that's everything in my graveyard. Cool. Well, I mean, I've got spitefuls and pain seers, but I think they're both solid and I don't see any reason to, to cut them. So, um, because Painseer just gets out of hand if you let it go. I yeah. actually, at one point, before I had, like, before I decided to wisely add the three ultimate price and the one hero's downfall, that spot there was the 2-1 if you have no cards in hand. Draw oh, God. But it's never going to happen because I've got the Dark Prophecy. So Ooh, I'm never going to be... Yeah, I was like, no, that's like counteractive with the Dark Prophecy, so I cut that. Um, besides, I should have some removal spells. Um, it's just going to be stupid. I just want to play for fun. Um, but yeah, I'm going to run my four Dark Prophecies uh, in the main, uh, because that's what's happening, and I'm going to do it. Uh, and I would just it would be a funny story if I win with four Dark Prophecies. So, uh, worth it for me. Low risk. You know what I mean? Like, it's so low risk. It's game day. It's fun, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to do something fun for game day, and that's my plan. Uh, haven't worked out a sideboard yet. I'm sure it'll be a bunch of one and two drops as well because I can't play much else with 22 swamps. Um, I, I might actually even – I might even consider cutting an immortal servitude to add, like, I don't know, something else. I don't know. But um, anyway, that's my deck, um, and it's probably going to do terrible, but it'll be fun to try. Um, are you playing on Saturday or Sunday? That's still in the air. So I'm like basically out of commission for <laughs> the weekend tournaments for the rest of the summer. 
Uh, so it was a good thing I made the last one count. So sure. uh, this one might it might depend uh, since it's Labor Day weekend. I might have a day to play uh, oh. game day. So uh, if I do, um, I want to play something silly. So I'll, I'll I'll see if I can come up with something. Um, uh, maybe I'll try the the Riddle of Lightning. Yeah, seventy card special. Make it uh, happen. Yeah. <laughs> or or take up uh, take up a lost cause uh, that you had there with the Minotaur Aggro. Yeah, yeah. I I still like the idea of trying that, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't think it's gonna do anything. There was actually a five color. It was like a reanimator ramp deck um, last standard season that like somehow four o to daily. I think I tweeted about it, and I think you could you could probably update that and make it like all enchantments. It was Chromanticore. Yeah, play Chromanticore. Yeah. I thought about that too. Whips and all that other stuff. Yeah, could do that. Or try to just do some sort of weird enchantress deck with Eidolon of uh, Blossoms or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I haven't figured it out. I I don't want to play Burn on on game day. That just seems, uh, that doesn't seem very fun. (laughs) Well, I mean, you could though. Nobody would fault you for it. Well, maybe they would. Moving on. Okay, so a couple things. First of all, we're going to be posting our next episode next Thursday. Our guest for that episode will be Pro Tour Journey into Nick's champion, Patrick Chapin. So that's big news. I mean, we've got the top guy. That'd be like, you know, doing a wrestling podcast and having like Daniel Bryan on your show or CM Punk or someone huge. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, we've had Chapin on before. I actually went back and looked and Chapin was our last guest before we took a break. He was on episode 99. Um, so, you know, Chapin's been on the show a bunch of times before, uh, but never as pro tour champion. And I'm so psyched. I, it makes me feel so good just to say the words pro tour champion Patrick Chapin. Um, and I can only imagine how it feels for him uh, to see this dream come to reality after all these years already being in the Hall of Fame, spiking a pro tour. Uh, but we'll get to ask him about that <laughs> next week. So uh, cool is not the right word. There's a word that's bigger than that, um, that, um, that I think describes that. I'd say that that is legit. <laughs> and hey, that's a pretty good segue into my second announcement. Uh, starting with next week's episode uh yo mtg taps will now be sponsored by legitmtg.com. uh so uh we're really excited we've been working on this for a little while um and uh we're gonna start uh hosting our show on legit mtg so every other thursday this is just kind of an, a schedule update for everybody every other thursday will be appearing on legitmtg.com and on our blog when I want my mtg.com. Uh, the shows will appear on there on Thursdays. And then the following Monday, the shows will pop on pop up on MTG cast. Um, back when we were on SCG, you know, SCG is such a juggernaut. They don't really uh, need our, our views, you know, but we really want to, we really want our podcast to drive traffic to legit MTG because legitmtg.com. Uh, really does have a cool uh, stable of, of writers that's that are coming to the site. Um, and, you know, we want to make sure that we uh, promote that as much as possible. Um, so we're really excited. Um, you know, they've got, they've got, <laughs> I thought of this because we're going to, I'm going to record like a little intro sponsored by thing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was thinking, I was like, they've got, 
uh, strategy, streams, and singles. You know, and now us. So it's pretty <laughs> cool. Um, so we're really psyched about that. Um, and then on the off weeks, we're going to do that every other Thursday. Um, and then the off weeks, uh, we're going to have an article on legitmtg.com. Uh, it's not going to be an article by me or by Steven. It might be by one of us every other week. Who knows? There's no, like, not set in stone. Uh, but we'll be writing them under UMTG Taps. So if you go on there and search by author, you search UMTG Taps, you'll find our podcasts and our articles. Um, so the working title right now is because of like, we're talking about this goofy, uh, riddle of lightning deck. We're talking about a, a, a mortal servitude, dark prophecy, <laughs> one drop deck. Um, so, you know, these decks are pure dreck. So, uh, the working title of the article is Drek Tech. Um, so each, each, uh, article, we'll talk about some weird deck that like we've been milling about or thinking about, uh, or maybe we've tested it, maybe we've played it and we want to talk about it. So we'll do an article called Drek Tech every other week on there. Uh, just kind of, uh, some of our, uh, wilder ideas. Uh, if you're bored with the current metagame and whatever format we're talking about, give one of our decks a try. Oh, two, and then make fun of us. Uh, for posting such a terrible deck. Um, so now just a little bit of uh, housekeeping here. Um, I just I just have a lot of thank yous, man. So like, you know, we started this podcast back up, uh, you know, end of December, I announced it. January, we got this thing cracking again with me and Steven. Um, and, you know, this show's been around for a while. Um, and I just have a list of some people. And if you're not on the list, it's because I actually actively dislike you. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's personal. Um, so, uh, first of all, I want to thank my wife, Katie, um, for just allowing me to, uh, you know, have this hobby uh, that takes up so much time and so much table space and, um, and just, you know, takes up so much of my life and my Saturdays and sometimes my Friday nights and sometimes my entire weekends and, uh, being supportive and being there for me. And I just love you so much. Um, I want to thank Joey Pascoe, you know, my best friend, man, we've started this podcast together going on five years ago. It started in 2009. So, you know, this year will be five years. And me and Joey started this thing just because we were two kids who liked talking about magic over Gmail, like over uh, Google chat. We were just like, Hey man, like these conversations we're having are pretty intense and pretty awesome. And like, they're actually helping me like, cause I was trying to like get kind of more into like uh, playing at a more like competitive level. And so I was asking him questions and, you know, and we, me and Joey have been, he taught me how to play magic in seventh grade. I guess that's probably more important than like starting the podcast. He literally <laughs> taught me this game uh, 19 years ago. And um, my first creature I ever cast was in Maria's pizza. I cast a, a Mesa Pegasus. Um, <laughs> and uh, I remember that man. And like, and it's just so crazy, like to have gone from, you know, playing magic, like in a pizza shop or in Joey's basement or in my room uh, to like, you know, playing at the mall to playing every like in legends and then, you know, playing in other tournaments and then, you know, starting a podcast, just two guys who like had no right to like be even listened to or, or, or noticed. 
you know, and like just to get to that point is just amazing. It's just it's a dream come true, you know, just having this podcast and being able to do this for so long uh, and talk to so many amazing people, like people I forgot. I'm like, I'm looking back episodes like, oh, whoa, we had Brad Nelson on the show. What? Like seriously forgetting that, like. We've just done so much with it, and it's come so far, and I'm so proud of Joey for – you know, Joey has a vote on the Hall of Fame, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and uh, and did the SCG Live thing for forever. He did In Contention. Uh, you know, I'm really proud of Joey. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, he's um, finally taken the plunge too um, with, uh, with his fiance, and uh, just so, so proud of Joey for – for what he's done. And uh, so I want to thank Tom Gustafson and MTG cast for hosting us to start the show. Uh, when we first started, actually we were on um, Monday night magic, me and Joey uh, before uh, probably two years before we had a podcast, we were on Monday night magic because uh, Tom needed a place to stay in New York and me, Joey and Tim were already planning on going up to New York for worlds in 2007 and so we got tom from from monday night magic to, to room with us in a hostel and um and uh, you know so so he interviewed us uh on mtg cast that that interview's floating around somewhere hmm. uh so uh, you know and mtg cast for just hosting us to start the show um i want to thank michael j flores man for uh for being the reason why we started the show regularly. We did two episodes and then we took a little break, just kind of screwing around with it. And Michael J. Flores, like literally my favorite personality in magic messages us like, Hey guys, where's the next episode? We were like, Oh my God, Michael J. Flores is paying attention to us. Let's start doing this every week. Okay. You know, so that was like, let's do that. So, um, you know, I want to thank StarCityGames.com for hosting the show for several years, um, for believing in two dorks who love talking about magic and for seeing that we love it so much and giving us a bigger audience. Uh, we wouldn't be where we are without you. I want to thank Evan Irwin, Ricky Hayashi, Glenn Jones, Lauren Lee, Jared Silva, Pete Heffling. I want to thank all those guys. Um, everyone has committed and, and women, everyone is, has just, you know, been so helpful to us and, uh, you know, has just, just done a lot for us. Um, I want to thank Patrick Chapin, um, for just like being so welcoming to us. And, you know, first of all, for being on the first episode at our new sponsor, which is really cool, but just, uh, also for just being on the show so many times and just, letting us uh, talk to him candidly at times and just, you know, the, the, the time when we sat down with him and Michael J. Flores at two in the morning um, in the hotel and just let them talk for an hour and a half is probably the most amazing 90 minutes that I've ever uh, spent uh, in, in this game. Um, I want to thank Bill Bolden, AKA Spruik, AKA the gathering for doing our theme music for, uh, for the uh, for the show when we were sponsored by SCG, um, the 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 theme music doesn't really apply to me and Steven right now, which is why we changed it. But uh, it was really cool for a long time. Uh, you know, it's the sound of of, of an era, and uh, really happy that he uh, was able to contribute that for us. Um, I want to thank Owen Turtenwald for being the one person who like really had my back for SCG live. Um, he messaged me on Facebook once and was just like, I just want to say that, 
you are the most entertaining SCG live commentator that there is. Um, and when you went under the table and found a piece of pizza on the ground and ate it, I couldn't stop laughing. Um, <laughs> so I thought that was really, that was really encouraging when I was kind of like feeling, um, I was kind of having doubts about my capabilities. Um, and even though they ultimately didn't stick with me, you know, I was really just really happy to have that message uh, from someone like Owen. Um, I want to thank Sheldon Perlman and the amazing spiral crew, all the people that played an amazing spiral. Um, you know, Sheldon, I was, I was living in my mom's attic and like had, literally like no money and no source of income and had no idea what I was doing with my life. And Sheldon let me start running tournaments at amazing spiral. And then eventually let me, you know, start working there part time just to get me some money and get me out of my house. And, uh, I don't know if I'd be here without that. And I'm just really happy that, uh, that he gave me that chance. Um, thank Mr. Scotty Mack, um, for just, uh, being a really awesome dude. Um, you know, for interacting with us when we were, when we had the show in its early days um, and for just uh, helping me out in ways that I can't even begin uh, to uh, express um, when I was having those uh, kind of alone times. Um, so I'm just really happy that, uh, that, you know, to have him, to consider him a friend. Um, I'm really bad at saying thank you sometimes, which is why I really felt the need to do this tonight. Um, I just don't always, I'm just, thank you. is just a hard word for me to say. I don't know why I always mean it and I always say it in other ways, but I never really say thank you. Uh, so thank you, Scotty. Thank you so much. Um, I want to thank Mark and Lloyd Frias, uh, for, uh, you know, putting up with my loud ass driving up to Philly for tournaments, uh, going all kinds of different places. Uh, Lloyd's just helped me out a lot. Lloyd giving me rides places when I needed him to just, you know, really solid guy and those guys are just great and uh, i miss those guys and you know watch a lot of wrestling with them and you know second row at the ring of honor shows and it's just really good time so thanks guys uh, i want to thank tim welsh um tim has been one of my best friends since we were in i was in second grade he was in first grade um he's been on the show a couple times um played some commander he traded me my entire legacy merfolk deck basically including the happy birthday lord of atlantis which i got on camera <laughs> um you know and uh here's one that i never thought i'd actually say i want to thank uh travis hunt and the brewport crew um me and travis had a falling out when i moved from baltimore to texas um but uh you know regardless of how that turned out um, taking me in under your roof and, and letting me, um, you know, have a place to live when I left my mother's house was a really big deal for me and, uh, giving us a place to, to, to allow our creativity to thrive with Brewport, you know, it was just a really important moment in my life and I'll never forget it. Um, I want to thank Charles L. Johnson, the third for carrying the Brewport name on to his shop. Um, in, uh, in, 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 uh, in Parkville. So, I mean, it's really awesome to like have that legacy live on. Um, I want to thank Wes Shaw, uh, for being uh black, a Johnny. Um, <laughs> and, uh, just <laughs> that's his nickname. We actually, okay. uh, we, we called him, uh, actually, um, I think Dave Heilker actually called him black, a Johnny. And then now that's his Twitter handle. So if you ever see black, nice. a Johnny on Twitter, that's Wes, uh, Wes is actually, Wes works at, 
um, at Brewport Games now. Uh, but he was the TO. I passed the TO mantle on to him at Amazing Spiral. Um, I just want to thank him for uh, making our long Thursday night play test sessions more enjoyable and uh and louder for sure he's one of the loudest people i know uh you wouldn't be you'd be amazed but lloyd and wes are louder than me i have no <laughs> idea how that's possible but there are people that are actually louder than me in this world uh and two of them used to all used to play under the same roof with me every thursday night um <laughs> i want to thank uh jameson Sachs and the common ground games crew um i would probably not be playing magic right now if jameson didn't open his shop um, you know, I took, a, a, like I said, on the last episode, I took nine months off because there just wasn't a shop close enough to me when I lived in Dallas for me to get to it re- uh, reasonably. Uh, so, you know, Jameson's shop is the reason why I'm playing right now. Um, I want to thank Steven. Finally. Thank you, Steven. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, thank you, man, for, 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 uh, picking up the, the, you know, the mantle and running with it. I mean, you've done a great job so far. Um, and I'm really happy that you're, you know, a part of this show and, um, you know, if, or when Joey comes back to the show, I really want you to stick around. Um, and, and I think that we'd handle a three person show nicely. Um, but I, you're doing a great job and just keep it up, man. Just keep being you, you, you do great. You're great at what you do. Um, I want to thank John, uh, AKA you'll never know, um, he is going to be providing the music. It's not going to be an original piece, but we're going to be using his music uh, going forward for the show. Um, since now that we're sponsored again, we can't really use licensed music. So uh, we're going to use You'll Never Know's stuff. You can check him out, magnetic with a K, moments.bandcamp.com, uh, or on Twitter at You'll Never Know. It's spelled U L L N E V A N O. It's You'll Never Know Hip Hop on Twitter. Um, I want to thank John Medina for, uh, first of all, for putting me on my grind, man. I mean, like years ago, um, John was, uh, was doing his thing, uh, with his blog and with, you know, just, you know, with magic finance in general, uh, when he started writing, uh, for other sites, um, John really is like, he's, he's like the godfather of, uh, of magic finance. Um, a lot of what's come, to be has come, you know, a lot, had a lot, it was a very high, heavily influenced by his work. Um, and, you know, thanking him for that. I mean, when I was living in my mother's attic, like the only way I was able to make money was by selling cards. The only way I was able to get cards to sell was by trading. Um, so like just having, using the skills I learned from him helped me like literally get out of my mother's house and, um, and get me off my, you know, off my feet or on my feet again. So, you know, a lot of thanks to him and especially for starting legitmtg.com, you know? Um, and that's my next thank you. And my last thank you. I want to thank legitmtg, legitmtg.com and the legit crew, uh, Nate, Josh, uh, Scotty, Jason, Nat, Tyler, Gage, Christian, Mike, Anthony. Uh, hope you guys are, you know, as welcoming to us, uh, to be a part of the family as we're eager to be a part of it. Um, you know, this is like, what is uh, this, 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 this iteration of the podcast is like Joey, um, like the spinoff from friends or it's mm-hmm. like, um, I'm just kidding. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm hoping that we're more than that, but I'm just saying like, you know, 
We're we're more than yeah yeah exactly. We're like Frasier, man. That's a sweet spinoff. Um, like people even forget, I think that that was a spinoff of Cheers. You know, like because it was it stood it stood on its own for what it was. Um, and I'm really glad that we're not like uh, How I Met Your Father, which never even made it out of the uh, the uh, pilot. Uh, episode. No, that was a thing. It, it actually, they were going to do it, and they canceled it already. It hasn't even like it tested poorly. They're like, nope, we're done. So you know, uh, I hope that we can prove that um, this version of the show is not better than the last version, but it's you know something different and something. Hopefully, we hope close to equal to what we what we did in the past um you know time will tell and uh, all we can do is just keep providing content and hope you guys love it so um so that's my list and i'm i'm sorry for for you know thanks for indulging me on that steven I just had a, <laughs> i just wanted to get a lot of that off my chest um listen i, ra- I lost my wrap it up little uh, uh music <laughs> you wrap that gavel up b no but um <laughs> So anyway, yeah, th- yeah. Thank goodness this isn't the Oscars. There's no one to, to play yeah. me on. So uh, we'll probably add that in. Yeah, um, the orchestra would be like deafening at this point. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, here we are now, um, four, four and a half years later, and we're here, and um, we're not going anywhere. So uh, yeah, I hope you all en- are enjoying the show so far, and I hope we can keep giving you awesome content and I'm looking forward to having uh, Patrick Chapin on the show next week uh, to tell us what it's like to win a PT, uh, a PTQ. <laughs> yeah. Well, that too. I mean, yeah. tell us what honest. it's like. Just, <laughs> What's it like to win a tournament? Yeah. We do not know, <laughs> but we're get to, we're going to get to, uh, to dive in uh, to, uh, to block constructed uh, with Patrick and, um, and talk to him about, about that tournament. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so that's all we've got for this week. Uh, until next time we are yo MTG taps. Stop bitching. Start brewing. Put your fingers on my glass. Got a two-lane bowling alley up in the truck. And on the other side of the bed, if she wanna get stuck. Clap off lights when you're getting affection. Clap on lights when you're finding protection. Now, where in the wide, wide world of data can you find another?